Thanks for joining us today at Springwell Church, where we want to draw spiritually thirsty people to Jesus by loving God, loving each other, and loving the world. We hope that today's message builds you up, gives you a little insight, and helps you find a brand new perspective. You can find us in Taylor, South Carolina, and online at springwell.org. That's springwell.org. Now let's jump into the message. Hey, y'all. Let's do something uh, different right quick, if we can do that. Um, I felt the same thing in the first service. I just feel like an overwhelming need for us to kind of pray together just for a minute. Can we do that? Now, if if like you're brand new to Springwell, here's what I mean by that. You know, sometimes you listen to the talking head on the stage pray and you go, amen. If you're brand new to church, that means like, all right, cool, sweet. Um, I don't want you to do that. If if you're a follower of Jesus, I want you to help me pray. And here's what you want to help me pray for. Um, When I look at the state of, of, of our nation, the thing that I'm overwhelmed with is, is when, I, when I look at the nation, when I look at the COVID-19, when I look at all this stuff, um, the thing that you can't legislate is the kind of change that we need. And so if your hope's in Washington, as we say in the South, bless your heart. <laughs> and that ain't good. Uh, if you want to know what bless your heart means, we, that means you're stupid. That's, what, that's, really, that's really what that means, isn't it? I mean, we mean that in the most Christian way, but <clears throat> that's what, pretty much what it means. But I just want to take for a minute, because the thing that I'm, I'm, and I know there's some that feel like, you know, we need to, all these different things that people might think that we need. But over and over and over and over again, you know, in my spirit, I think, God, if we as followers of Jesus would just act like followers of Jesus. And if we would reflect Jesus. And so if we would reflect Jesus, I think that what we would do is that we would just, that we would love our enemies. That we would love them. There's an atheist that attends here a couple times a year. (laughs) This is crazy. He's one of my biggest supporters. (laughs) You can't make this stuff up. I don't even know what that means exactly, but he's always very complimentary. And I'll never forget this one Sunday. He came down after the message, and he said, you know, I ain't believing in this God stuff. I go, I know, I know. You keep telling me that over and over. He says, I'm not buying the whole God thing. He said, but I will say this. I do believe that if people lived by the principles that you talk about every Sunday that I'm here, these principles of Jesus that the world just be a better place to live. He said, I, I don't buy the whole God thing, the Jesus and all. He said, but I, I, you're, you are right. If, if we could just love each other. And this is not a mamby-pamby kind of church. It's, you know, peace, all that kind of, I mean, we all are about fighting the good fight. But that means fighting the good fight and making sure that we don't put a face to the fight when that face has nothing to do with that fight. And then we can learn to love people. Love people that we disagree with. Love, love people that voted differently than us. Love people who, it doesn't matter 
What if we just love those people where they are? Could you imagine how the, the climate in this country would change drastically overnight if we just loved each other? So it's kind of weird, I guess, but I'm weird, so I just want us to pray. And if you're like brand new to the whole Jesus thing and you think, what do I do? Just hang out for a minute. It won't take long. Just, take, just hang out for a minute and uh, take a time out and uh, just let us, hopefully, as followers of Jesus, do what we need to do and let's humble ourselves and pray and, and just kind of seek God and ask Him to give us direction for the next couple of minutes. Can we do that? All right, let's pray. Lord, <clears throat> honestly, Lord, I need wisdom and help even in praying. I can try to intellectually come up with a list of needs and wants and even reach into my pastoral prayer box and pull out a, some kind of prayer to pray that sounds lofty. But honestly, God, sometimes I don't even know what to say. What I do ask, Lord, is that you'll just help those of us that follow you. God, just help us to reflect you. And when we get caught up in the mess of the day, the news media or whatever it is, or friends that we work with or neighbors that we have who have different political views or just different views, that, Lord, we'll remember that our, our battle is not against flesh and blood. It's not against those people, Lord. And honestly, God, I don't even know what to pray for a miracle that things will get better somehow Lord in my spirit I'm not sure that things will get better so Lord my prayer is that we as a church we as collectively as your body will get better at just being Jesus to people that are broken and hurting Lord help us to toss religion to the side and just get serious about our relationship with you. And out of the overflow of that relationship with you, show this crazy old world what it is at the end of the day that they're really looking for. And that's just unbelievable. <laughs> Unconditional love that you have for us. You're awesome. We love you. It's in your sweet name that we pray. Amen. Woo! Y'all feel good? Awesome. Today, we're starting a brand new series called Habits. And anyone make a New Year's resolution to stop a bad habit or two? Come on, y'all, y'all the 11 o'clock crowd. Five bad habits. Ten. Anybody go 15 or 20? Come on, get your hands up. This is like, we're the center crowd right here, aren't we? We make other churches feel better about themselves, don't, don't we? <laughs> they look at us and go, "Woo! at least I ain't them, you know? How many of you would admit that, you know what, you, you want to stop some bad habits, but you also want to start some good habits? You know, how many, like, you said, I want to lose a couple of pounds, maybe? Go ahead, get your hands up. We already know. <laughs> we could have told you when you walked. I'm just kidding. Boy, I've just started off rough, haven't I? Hey, so here's the thing. Why do habits matter so much? Because they do. 
Habits have a way of destroying your life or they have a way of making your life better, right? Habits are critically important. Why? I love what Pastor Craig Rochelle said. He said it like this. He said, because successful people do consistently what other people do occasionally. Let me say that one more time. It's awesome if you can get it and understand it. Because successful people do consistently what other people do occasionally. And I totally totally agree. It's consistency over the long haul that produces the greatest results. If you're in shape, if you see people that are in shape, they didn't get in shape overnight. Regardless of what you've seen on TV, to all the ads, to all the hype about the pills to take or whatever the case might be, when you see somebody that's in shape, you're looking at somebody that consistently over the long haul exercised and ate properly. They did that over a period of time. If you see someone who is spiritually, and I, I worded, I changed this so many different times over the last few weeks. The word is thriving. If you see someone that is spiritually thriving, and what I mean by thriving is I'm not talking about being religious. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about somebody, not because somebody goes to church every week. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about when you see somebody that you look at that person and you think, you know what? They just exude Jesus. Like he's, he comes out of them. He, he like, he overflows in them and he's spilling out onto me. When you look at somebody that says, you know what, that person right there, they're different than other people that I know. Like they go through difficult times when the rest of the world is falling apart over this pandemic, you know, COVID-19. Somehow they got peace. When you see somebody that's doing that, here's what I promise you, they didn't get there overnight. One of the things I'll absolutely promise you is that they've gone through a lot of difficult days in their lives. That's not what the TV preachers tell you. That ain't what they tell you. Give your life to Jesus and everything will be roses. Well, on those roses are a bunch of thorns. I'm just going to tell you right now, okay? Life's going to be hard if you're a follower of Jesus. But when you're thriving and you see somebody that's thriving, here's what I know that's the truth. Through all the difficulties of life, they have consistently been applying these biblical principles, these biblical disciplines to their lives, slowly, consistently, over the years. And that's what's brought them to the place that they are. If you've got somebody that's financially successful, they're consistently doing what other people do occasionally or maybe never even do. It's all about small things leading to big things over time. I don't think that anybody here would probably uh, argue the fact that Jesus, when it came to pleasing his dad, pleasing his daddy, was incredibly successful. Would you agree? Well, you have to. Because even God himself, here's what he had to say about his son in Matthew 3. He said, this is my beloved son. And like, we're one. Like, the father and the son, we're, we're like super, super tight. But here's the thing. I want you to know that this is my son and I am like super pleased with him. Now, one thing you never heard Jesus say, there's not a verse of scripture anywhere where Jesus said, Dad, I'd love to hang out with you, but I've just been so busy. You give me these disciples, and let's just be honest, they're idiots. They're just idiots. Every time I turn around, Peter's saying something else stupid again. I mean, Thomas, he didn't believe anything that I say. I mean, these guys are working me to death. And, and then on top of that, People are so needy. 
You got these whining blind people that want to be healed. People with leprosy, they keep crowding in on me. They, they want so much for me. I would love to hang out with you, but the bottom line is I just don't have time. Jesus never said that. Jesus, who was God in the flesh, when he walked on planet Earth, he consistently would steal away to spend time with his dad. Why? Because he'd win brownie points with his dad if he did that. No. Because he wanted to be with him. It was a relationship thing. It was, I'm better when I'm with you. I, I tell Karen that all the time. I said, baby, we're better together than we ever would be apart. And, and I think the same thing in my relationship with God. No matter what I go through, God, going through it with you is better than going through it without you. Hello, are y'all with me? That's what I'm talking about. I like what author Sean Covey said. I'm going to share probably next week four books that I read over my sabbatical that really um, was the fire for this whole series that we're doing right now. And, and one of those guys is a guy by the name of Sean Covey. And here's what he said. He said, we become what we repeatedly do. Let that sink in just a second. We become what we repeatedly do. So I just think it would be a good time of year to talk about habits because this time of year people are trying to create, you know, these new habits through these New Year's resolutions. The bad news, the bad news is that according to the studies that I did, at least on the Internet, and it's right because I saw it on the Internet, so it's got to be law, 92%, 92% of all of these New Year's resolutions, 92% will be gone by Valentine's Day. And some of you are going, dude, mine's already gone. I didn't make it past the first week. And here's what we end up, this is what I love about the Bible. I love the Bible because the Bible is not this weird book. It's a book, and when you actually get into it and read it, you go, that's how I feel. And so you end up feeling like the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 7 when he said this. I'm going to paraphrase. He said, the things that I want to do, I mean, I really want to do the right thing. And he's the Apostle Paul, for Pete's sake. He's like a heavyweight, spiritually speaking, wrote, you know, over half the New Testament. And y'all with me? I mean, here's a big dog in the spiritual world. And he said, the things that I want to do, I don't do. And the things, the very thing that I know is good, the very thing I know I should do, it's the very thing that I don't do. And then this is so powerful. And we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna start and we're going to end with this whole thought. Listen to me. He connects his failure with his identity. This is what he said in verse 24. He said, what, what a wretched man I am. In other words, the apostle Paul, he said, you know what? The very thing I want to do, I don't do. The very thing that I don't want to do, the very thing that I know is sin, the very thing I know that is wreaking havoc in my life, the very thing that I know is destroying my life, is the very thing I don't want to do, but I end up doing it anyway. What a wretched, miserable, loser man that I am. And that's exactly where some of you are. And that's why you're here today. You didn't know this, but you have a divine appointment. God brought you here so that he could breathe some life into you and to say that is not who you are. He asked this question. Some of you are asking this question right now. Who is going to rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Come on. Some of y'all walked in here today with that question, right? Kind of like, not that question, but you're wondering, who's going to rescue me from the mess that I'm in? My life. 
is spinning out of control. So you want to know, that's why the music was designed the way it was. You want to know, what is my hope? So he looks to the source. So here's what he says, verse 25. Thanks be to God who delivers me. We ain't got a Pentecostal in the crowd. Bunch of, let's just be honest, most of y'all don't have any kind of church background anyway, period, right? Most of y'all go, what? So a few of y'all go, delivers? You can't say that in a Baptist church. Some of you are going, we're Baptist? I didn't know. Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. So Jesus is our source and our strength. Come on, come on. He's our healing, he's our hope. He's our rock, he's our fortress. Y'all getting weaker, you ain't getting stronger. He's my hiding place. (laughs) Oh man, I love y'all. Here's the thing. If that's true, then why do we just suck when it comes to making commitments and keeping them? You're saying, did you say that on Sunday morning? Yep. I did. I knew what I was saying. Then why? Listen, I'm talking. Listen, y'all listen. So like if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, I'm not talking to you right now. I'm talking to those of us that know Jesus. And see, we can get fired up. Jesus is all those things. He absolutely is. He's my hiding place, my rock and my fortress, my buckler, my shield. He's my healer. Then why do we keep messing up? Why do we keep failing so miserably? Three reasons I want to give you this morning. Three reasons why we fail. Here's the first one. We focus on the what, but we don't understand the how. We focus on what we want to accomplish, but we don't understand how to get there. According to the experts, at least all the experts in these books that that I read when I was going through this sabbatical, we all, for the most part, for the most part, have similar goals. According to the experts, we all, for the most part, have similar goals. For example, if we surveyed 100 of you and we asked you this question, what's really, really, really super important in your life? Most of us would say something about, um, say something that would generally fall into the same basic categories. For example, most of us would probably say something about health. I mean, I, I don't know of anybody this year that I've talked to at least that said, you know what, I just, my goal this year is I'm going to be as fat as humanly possible. I hope that by Christmas of this year, I'm, in, I'm as unhealthy as I've ever been, and I hope I die. I don't know of anybody that says stuff like that, right? At the first of the year, we're always saying, I'm going to lose a few pounds. I'm going to get in shape. I'm going to join the gym. And then we join the gym, and those of us that are in the gym, we don't like you for about two months. Amen. And then it's okay because we know you're not coming back anyway. <laughs> I'm just... I'm just saying. When it comes to finances, I don't know of anybody who's saying, this year my goal is to double my debt. And then I want to die of a heart attack from the stress of making payments. See, people don't say stuff like that, right? No, not at all. Most of us have similar goals or hopes, but the results can be dramatically different. Even for those of us that are followers of Jesus, they go, yay, he's my rock, he's my fort, he's my, my fortress, my buckler, my shield, my salvation. 
And we're failing as much as the rest of the world. James Clear uh, is one of those books. In his book, Atomic Habits, basically, and I say basically because y'all need to read this. You might get something completely different. But it's okay because this is what I think he said. He may not even think that he said this, but this is what I got out of it. He basically says that our goals don't determine our success. Listen. Our goals don't determine our success. Systems determine our success. In fact, he said this. He says, you don't rise to the level of your goals. You fall to the level of your systems. So here's what I would say, and this is all on me. I would say that systems are the vehicle that get us to our goals. Now You're probably thinking, you can't go off anymore. Is this a business lecture or is this church? This is church. One of the things, one of the reasons I love the Bible is because it's filled with so much incredible truth that's lived out by normal people like us. That's what I love. And so I think the Bible, when I see it, is just there's examples all over the place of people being successful because of godly systems. For example, when I look at Daniel, I'm talking about Old Testament Daniel, Daniel in the lion's den, Daniel. Yeah. It was awesome, right? When Daniel was thrown into a, de a den full of lions, he was able to be strong. His faith was, was bold. And he was able to come out on the other side alive, all because he had a system. And you're thinking, I've lost my mind. He had a system. You say, it's because, it's because of his faith in God. Be he, had his, he had a faith in God because he had a system. The life of Daniel was a life that was spent consistently spending time with the God that he served. And just, just so you know, it wasn't because he was spending time with God so we'd win brownie points with God. Like, I've met those people, you know, I pray three, I pray three hours a day. I'm super Christian. Do those people impress you? They don't impress me. Let me tell you what. When somebody's spending time with Jesus, they don't have to tell you. You see it. Right. See, they just, they just ooze with it. He had a system, and his system was there's going to be three times a day that I'm going to commune with my God. I'm going, to, I'm going to meet with him. I'm going to hang out with him. I'm going to be with him. And here's the thing. For Daniel, it's so important that I, I miss being with God, so i got to get with him. This happened several years ago. You've probably heard me tell this story before. When I remember um, the, the early years of Springwell, actually, and uh, I was incredibly busy working insane hours. I, I didn't have any business working. And I had been gone for a weekend. And I remember, y'all know I love my wife. I'm crazy about that woman. She's hot. Let's just be honest. She's hot. She's hot as a match. You can say so. It's okay. Because I'm going home with her. You ain't. I'm just saying, God bless me. What can I say? Anyway, I remember, I remember when, when I'm not with her, and we say this all the time, we're just better together. So when I'm not with her, there's like a part of me missing. And, and so when I'm not with her, I can't wait to get back to her. I remember that I had spent some time, too much time working, and I hadn't really hung out with God, and I hadn't been gone. It was some kind of conference or something. And I remember I woke up on a Monday morning, and I couldn't wait to get Karen and the girls out the door. Because I had that same feeling in my heart about my relationship with God. Does that make sense to you at all? I missed him. 
I just, I just, I needed to be with him. I, I, I needed for him to speak to me. Sometimes I, I'm, I'm the most insecure person you've ever met. I needed him to tell me I'm okay, that he loves me, that he's created me with a purpose. And so I just needed to be with him. That's what happened with Daniel. Daniel had a system. If you want to grow spiritually, then you have to have a system that's going to build your faith and strengthen your knowledge and your intimacy with God. Please don't misunderstand me. It's not about checking a box and winning brownie points with God because you prayed for five minutes and and you read uh, Scripture for five minutes. That's not it. And if that's all you do, you'll miss it. The second reason that we give up so quickly is because we don't see progress fast enough. Hello, y'all with me? How many of y'all started that diet? Y'all already wobbling. Go ahead, it's okay, you can raise your hand. We know it. And so you know what, you go go on a diet and you you bust your rear end, you do the best you can for a solid week, you go into the gym, you're feeling good about yourself, and at the end of the week you get on scales, you lost two ounces. (laughs) And you're going, What? And, and maybe for some of you, I was starving myself to death. I mean, I was eating stuff. Like, I ate rice cakes. Uh, I mean, you know, you're with me. So you're thinking, this didn't work. The second week, you, you worked harder. You thought you ate better. You exercised more. You got on the scales. You gained those two ounces back. And so you give up, right? Because you don't see progress fast enough. You're thinking, man, at this rate, I'll be 100 before I reach my ideal weight. And I'm 25. So maybe you stop drinking coffee and you say, I'm, gonna, I'm, quitting, I'm, I'm not going to Starbucks every day anymore. I'm going to save some money. And, and at the end of the first month, you saved $100. You feel good about yourself, right? 100 bucks, man. I said, I, how stupid was I spending $100 a month on coffee? And so you're puffed up and you're thinking, man, I'm feeling good. I'm going to put that toward my $100,000 mortgage. And you go, now I don't owe but $99,900. And you look at that and you're overwhelmed with it, right? And you go, what is the use? We don't see results fast enough, so we tend to think that good small decisions don't matter. But they do matter. We'll take the flip side of that, and this is the truth. Christmas was a year ago. You know, I've, I've been on this diet thing, and I've, I've got this lady, and she's been helping me, and she's awesome. And, and so I was scared of her. And so maybe the first Christmas I went through Christmas. <laughs> That's kind of true. And uh, so we went through the first Christmas, and, and I remember uh, we, we did Staff Goody Day, and, and Johanna Parent, oh, God bless that woman, Sam. <laughs> she's awesome. She can bake cookies. So she, she, she I don't know. They were that thick. No, I'm just kidding. I don't, there were these peanut butter things, and there's filling on the, it was awesome. So I walked over, and because I am the pastor that I am, I want to make sure I didn't want Johanna to feel bad. So I ate one of those cookies. And I, and I ate a cookie, and I thought, that was pretty doggone good. <clears throat> I ate a second one. And then, and then I said, I'm backing away. Because you know what? I have willpower. So I walked over all the way to the office, and I, I turned around. <laughs> I, and guess what? You won't believe this. This is a true story. I ate at least six. Amen. It could have been eight. I 
got on the scales the next morning and lost two pounds. I said, hallelujah. I love Johanna. See, here's the thing. You can make a bad decision. And then you can wrongly conclude that the small bad decisions don't matter that much. But here's the thing, if you consistently eat those cookies, which I would have, sooner or later it catches up with you, right? So the small good decisions don't really move the needle as fast as we think that they should, and the small bad decisions don't hurt that much, but they all matter, and they all add up over time. I read this in one of these books, and at first, when I first read it, I disagreed with it. The guy said, you rarely wreck your life all at once. And I said, that's not true. I know tons of people, and I tell you, they made that really stupid decision right there, wrecked their life. And sometimes that's true. But it's rare that it is. What tends to happen is you make a small bad decision, a little compromise here, you cut a corner there, you fudge a little bit here. Man, I love me some fudge. Y'all with me? I just wanted to work that in. Y'all missed it. Some of y'all, y'all ain't foodies. I'm a foodie. I picked up on it. Anyway, you see, you bend the rules a little bit here, and then one day you wake up and you go, and this happened to me. This literally happened to me. When I woke up one morning, living in this mess, and I literally asked myself the question, how did I get here? It wasn't one decision. It was a lot of small bad decisions over time that added up. Then you take somebody that's crushing it in some area of their life and you wonder how they got there, right? Most of the time it was one small decision at a time. It was one small discipline done again and again and again. They did consistently what others only do occasionally. So you see that person that's in shape and you admire them, and you want the results that they have. But what you don't know is, is they're getting up at some ungodly time of the morning to make it to the gym, and they do it every day. They do it consistently. They have a system. And so it's on their calendar. They, they care enough that they put it on their calendar. They, they set themselves a reminder to make sure that it happens because they know that they're weak on their own, and so they need a system. And built into that system is an accountability partner that helps them to, to, to follow through with that decision. And they're there every morning, and they're on that God-forsaken elliptical machine that came from the pit of hell. I'm telling you, Satan created it. So you didn't see that. And you, and you didn't see that they were eaten consistently over the long haul. Maybe you see that person that's, in your eyes, financially successful, and you go, wow, they must have, be born, they must have been born with a silver spoon in their mouth. But what you don't know is they were consistent over the long haul. These little decisions, these decisions that they made, that they stuck to. I, I know this couple, and, and when they first got married, they were, they were broke as they could be, and they finally were able to afford a house, and they had to get a 30-year 30 30 mortgage. They didn't, have a, a, they didn't have any other choice. If they were going to have a house, it had to be a 30-year mortgage. It was the only way they could afford the payment. But then they cut a 30-year to a 20-year. See, every time they got a raise, rather than to run out and buy something new, 
They said, you know what we're going to do? We're going we're gonna to save a little bit more. And we're going to give a little bit more. I know this couple. and We're going to give more. I mean, literally, we're going to give more money away. And then, we, and then we're going to take some more money, and we're going to put that toward a debt. And so then they cut a 20-year down to a 15-year. And just so you know, they paid off that mortgage in 12 years. And people said, how in the world? You must be making all this money. And they weren't. See, they just made these little decisions consistently over the long haul that paid off. Small good decisions aren't wasted. And you may not see the results for a period of time, but somewhere there's going to be this tipping point. I promise you. And then the thing that no one else sees will bring you the results that everyone else wants. Y'all write that down. That's good. I love the way the Apostle Paul said it to the believers in Galatians. Here's what he said in Galatians 6. He said, let's don't become weary in doing good. Come on, how many honest Christians? <laughs> if you just say, I, I, yeah, I'm telling you, bro, I've got weary in doing good. Go ahead, you can slip up your hand. It's okay. The rest of y'all must not be serving Jesus. Because I'm telling you, you will wobble after a while. You just will. You'll think, I'm doing all the right stuff, and I don't see, I don't see any results. But here's what he says. He says, at a proper time, you'll reap a harvest if you don't give up. Let's don't become weary in getting up 30 minutes early to hang out with Jesus. Let's don't get weary in spending time in his word, not so that we can boast with pride of how much scripture we know, but that we've learned how to see God in his word. I know him more. I know him better. Because at the proper time, you will reap a harvest. So why do we tend to fail so often? So we focus on the what and don't understand the how. We don't see progress fast enough. And number three, this is the big one. I probably could have just left those first two out. This is, this is really it for me. Our distorted identity sabotages our success. This, you have no idea. This has been those early years of, of my walking with Jesus. This was my number one struggle. It was my identity. Our enemy tries to Connect our failures to our identity. You failed, so you're a failure. You did bad, so therefore you are bad. That's what happened to the Apostle Paul. He said, I tried to do what was right. I try, but I don't do what's right. Oh, what a miserable person that I am. When you look at the most successful people, and this is why I love the Bible so much, because it's God's so honest with us in his word. And when you look at the most successful people in the Bible, you know what you're going to find? You're going to find a bunch of people that struggled with their identity. In the Old Testament, there was Moses. He miserably failed God. He, he killed a guy. How many of you in here can top that one? Don't raise your hand. You will scare the rest of us to death. He killed a guy. And so he's hiding out in the desert. For 40 years, he's been hiding out in the desert. You know why? Because he's a failure. He said, I couldn't even get this right. And then God says, oh, yeah, by the way, hey, I want you to lead my people out of slavery. He said, you got the wrong number. I'm, this is, I'm Moses. I don't know who you thought you called. I, I stutter. I'm not a good speaker. I'm not a good leader. God said, but here's the thing. Through me, you can accomplish anything. Same is true with another OT guy named Gideon. 
Gideon was a scaredy cat. You know, I tried to say that better, and I couldn't come up with anything. He was a scaredy cat, and, and so he took his failure, that shortcoming. Here's what he said in Judges 6. Man, I love this. It sounds like he should... <laughs> I'm so twisted. Like he should be from England or something when he says this. Pardon me, my Lord. I, I don't know. I just... <laughs> I hear this stuff in my head. I really do. Gideon replied, I love this. He said, hmm, how can I save Israel? And then look what he says. He says, my family, like they're the biggest losers in Manasseh. Like there's a bunch of losers in Manasseh, and of all the losers, we're the, we're the losingest of the losers. And then he says, of my losing family, I, I'm, I'm the biggest loser. And you called me? Maybe you've said, I'm just not good with money. Well, you're not good with money because you don't have a system. But maybe you said, I'm not good with money. That's become your identity. Or maybe you said, you know what, I'm just not disciplined. I'm just not disciplined. Well, you're not disciplined because you don't have a system. But that's your, you say, I, I could never because I'm not a disciplined person. Or, or maybe, maybe for you, you say, I stink at relationships. And you stink at relationships because... Katie, that's not right. You've been fishing in the wrong pond. Sorry, that's just a family thing. We'll catch y'all up with us later, maybe. An unhealthy identity has created unwise habits. Is that making sense? But listen, unwise habits reinforce an unhealthy identity. You keep failing enough, and you will convince yourself that you're a failure. So let me ask you a question. Who do you want to become? See, we've messed you up in church. I'm, I'm sorry. We messed you up in church. We got the do before the who. See, we, we said come to church and you got to clean up, right? And you, and whatever you're doing right now, you got to stop. Because we just got to assume you ain't been in church and you ain't as good as we are. And so, so you just got to start doing some things. And so we give you, you got to quit a bunch of things and you got to start doing a bunch of things and then you'll look like the rest of us. And we messed you up. So you got to get the who before the do. You got to get who you are. You know why? Because your identity shapes your actions. For example, <laughs> Let's say you're trying to stop smoking. And people smoking all kind of stuff. I've never in my life, I mean, it used to be cigarettes and pot. Now it's like there's a list of stuff people smoking. It wouldn't surprise me if people aren't smoking crayons. I mean, we're smoking everything. If you can light it up and puff on it, we're smoking it, it seems like to me. And so, if, if, I can't believe I said that. <clears throat> so if you say, if somebody looks at you and says, would you like to, would you like a ciggy? I don't even know if that's what you call them. I'm not, I'm, not so, I'm not cool at all, am I? And you say, no, I'm trying to quit. You know what you just did? You just identified yourself as a smoker that's struggling to quit. What if you said, nah, I don't smoke. It's in my past. 
I was a smoker, but it's not a part of my present. It's not what I do anymore. See, identity shapes actions. And some of y'all are probably struggling because you're probably saying, but you don't know me. Oh, man, let me. And if you're like, if, so if you're, a, if you're a follower of Jesus, that's a big old hairy lie. If you're not a follower of Jesus, I'm just saying this is one of the reasons you want to be a follower of Jesus. Let me read this to you. Romans 6. For we know, this is my baptism passage. For we know that our old self was crucified with him. Have mercy. So that the body ruled by sin might be done away with. So that we should no longer, I love that word, slaves. And you know what I'm talking about. You're a slave to that thing. He says, but listen, when you know whose you are, you know what your identity is? It's not true anymore. Because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. When you know who you are, you'll know what to do. Paul said, what a wretched man I am. He said, who's going to rescue me from this body that is subject to death? He said, well, thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. Identity shapes actions. When you know who you are, you'll know what to do. So, are you ready to say, I want to seek God for who He wants me to be? been looking in the wrong places for my identity, for the definition of who I am. I'm talking to followers of Jesus. You're not a failure. Stop it. You're not a loser. But you don't know. Listen, I promise you, I got people in here that can one-up you on anything. I'm just telling you. And it's what makes this place as beautiful and wonderful as it is. Because I can point to those lives and say, they're changed. Don't tell me you can't. You can't. So I'm just saying, you're going to have to have a system. You're going to have to figure out who you want to be. This year can be different. Maybe you're not even like a God person at all. And the weird thing of it is, you know, like you didn't plan like on God showing up in your life this morning. You just thought you'd go to church. Some weird reason. Maybe it's to come with a friend. And the thing of it is, is that like God has shown up and what you feel right now, it's not that music. It's pretty cool. But that's not it. It's Jesus. And listen, here's what I want you to know. God's crazy about you. I don't, I don't know what you've been told I don't know what bag of goods you've bought but it's a lie see God said I love you so much that I'll do my part to make your relationship with me right so God sent his son and Jesus out of his great love for us he said I'm going to go to the cross and on the cross what I'm going to do I don't know I've never known sin 
I've never committed a sin. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to go to the cross and I'm going to pay the penalty for all of your sin. Because you'll never be good enough on your own. You'll try, but you'll keep failing. And so I'm going to die. I'm going to shed my blood to pay the penalty for your sin. On the third day, he was resurrected. And what he wants this morning is a relationship with you. He wants to change your identity. That you can be in Christ. I think I have the best job in the world. Every, every week I give an invitation and I always think to myself, who in the world would want to say no to that? And that's why I think we see as many people here give their lives to Jesus as they do. Every week somebody makes a commitment to give their life away. Why? How, how can you beat that? A God that loves you that much. So if you're here this morning, you're not a follower of Jesus, but you'd like to be, every head is bowed, every eye is closed. Maybe for you, you don't even know what to say exactly. So maybe it will be something like this. Maybe you just say, first, I just need forgiveness. I'm a sinner. So just tell him, God, I'm trying to figure you out. One thing I know for sure is that I need forgiveness. So I accept what Jesus did for me on the cross. I can't understand it. I can't quite wrap my brain around it. And I, and I, need, I have to be covered in His righteousness. I, I can't. My own is no good. So Jesus, be the Savior of my life. From this day forward, I just admit and confess that my life is not my own. And I'll also admit that I, I don't even know where to go from here. This is going to be a brand new journey for me. So I'll go ahead and thank you for being so loving, so kind, so patient. For giving me a new identity. Lord, we do love you. You are incredible. Lord, you're amazing the creator of the heavens and the earth. I walk out every morning, look up into the star. I said, who created this starry host and calls each one by name? It's by your strength and mighty power that not a one of them is missing. And Lord, I think every single time I look into that big old, huge, clear sky that my daddy created all of that. And Lord, it gives me peace to know that no matter what I go through, I serve a God that's big enough, strong enough, to take care of me and I'm humbled by the fact that the creator of the heavens and the earth would love somebody like me you're awesome it's in your name we pray